We'll start off with Dan Lance. Dan's the Vice President of Operations for Metro Waste Paper Recovery in Toronto. He has 20 years of experience in the waste management industry, having started working in the municipal sector. He then moved to consulting, engineering with EarthTech, and acting as a manager of diversion programs. And he worked for a year with Stewardship Ontario, helping develop the Blue Box program. And he then moved back to consulting engineering as a principal and practice leader with Mac Viral Consultants. And in 2008, he moved to Metro Waste Paper Recovery. He has a master's degree from the University of Dundee and an MBA from the University of Toronto. He's a member of the Chartered Institution of Waste Management in the United Kingdom, as well as a LEAD, which is Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design, accredited professional. Dan, go ahead. Okay, Dan just asked me to provide five, ten minute overview of uh, just some of the things that we're looking at in terms of changing, <coughs> changing our MRFs to changing streams. First of all, just quickly, who's Metro Waste? I don't know how many of you know who we are. We're the uh, largest recycler in Canada. Started in 1979, 1995, Cascades uh, paper bought uh, controlling share in Metro Waste paper. They own 73% of the company. In 99, we bought uh, Norampax division, and that brought us down into the United States. We have a number of facilities in uh, New York State. In 2003, we opened up the largest recycling facility in, in uh, Canada, doing about a half or sorry, a quarter of a million tons per year. It's officially listed in Recycling Today as the second largest MRF in North America. I think, well, I'm not sure, I think, Carl, maybe you guys figured out what ours was and added 10 tons to the system because there's literally like 10, 20 tons difference between the size of the two largest MRFs in North America. And uh, today we're the largest recycler. We do about a million and a half tons of material per year. Okay, looking back at recycling, when I started in recycling, uh, we got a head start in, in Ontario. I'm from Ontario, Canada. We started uh, back in the mid-late 80s. Our first programs, seven compartments at the curb. People did all the sorting for you. A MRF was a table and a, a little tiny line, maybe. Everything was sorted. You had three-color glass separation. We had all the plastics in one. We had an <clears throat> another one for just newspaper, another one for corrugated, another for box board. And most of our programs started out very fast. It wasn't five or six materials. It was 10, 12, 14 materials right off the bat. But again, most of the people, mostly people did the sorting for us. So today, where are we going? We've gone, strong emphasis, of course, is on single stream. We don't do any curbside sorting anymore for the most part. We're handling 15 minimum. Most programs in Ontario are now handling well over 20 materials, including ones you don't even want to think about handling, but we handle them anyhow. And uh, MRF equipment is continually advancing. We have a couple of our facilities, actually um, four, use optical sorting, um, either for containers and or fibers. We have two, two facilities doing full fiber sorting with uh, optical sorting, thanks to uh, Felix's equipment back there, MSS. So we look at it and say, why, why less sorting, or sorry, why less sorting at the curb? First of all, it got a big push to uh, get away from curbside sorting. Too, took too long, they said. The other thing I've, I was fine, well, other thing, of course, then the material, the MRF equipment's getting better, but it's not there yet, obviously. We're, we have tremendous difficulties, um, especially on the fiber side, trying to get a, there's no such thing as a true number eight anymore. I'm not telling anybody anything they don't know, but uh, unfortunately, the equipment can't do what we need it to do, nor can the people, considering the mix has gone from 80% news down to 55% news in Toronto, and I know in some cities in the U.S. it's a lot worse. Uh, we still have four daily newspapers. I know there's a lot of big cities in the U.S. that don't have any dailies anymore. We still carry four. So we still have more newspaper than a lot of municipalities, but a lot less than we did seven years ago. 
But the funny thing is when you talk to municipalities and they say to you, why is it that we had, you know, why is it that you want to move to single stream? And the number one answer I get from all the municipalities I've talked to, and I was a consultant for 18 years, and I've been studying single stream for more than 10 now. And you look at it and they go, well, it's too hard for the public to understand how to separate containers from fibers. And you look at them and go, let me see now. When we rolled out the programs quite successfully 22, 23 years ago, we got them to separate into seven compartments. Some of the programs I worked on in the U.S. were 11 compartments, and we got the public to do it. And now all of a sudden, they can't figure out what a container looks like compared to a piece of paper. So it, it's, it's quite interesting. Where are we going? MRFs need help to sort the plastic. There's too many plastics even within one resin. I'll show you a picture in a second of PET. And it looks like every plastic in the, in the system, and yet it's just one resin type. Technology continues to advance, but we still need help. Whether it's a paper end market or a container's end market, they're, they're concerned about 20, 30, 40% yield loss, which they're paying for at, the, at their mill. Also, none of that material gets recycled. The other thing is, uh, when you look at the single stream, when you think about municipalities moving that way, we, we generate and recycle more than a million tons a year in Ontario. We lose approximately, if everything was single stream in the province, there would be a $4 million loss to the system of containers in the newspaper. $4 million. It's $4 a ton on a million tons. And we don't ever, it doesn't get recycled. It goes to the mills, it gets thrown away. So when you think about it, what is our true impact of moving to some of these things? Municipalities aren't fully aware of uh, the true implications. Plus, of course, are we sorting what we're supposed to be? You know, we're talking about where do we take the next morph? We've, we just built uh, a very large, very technologically advanced facility in Calgary handling that city's material. One of the things we're going to be looking at doing is changing, we have four optical sorters for fibers in that plant, and we're talking about turning it on its head completely. We haven't talked to MSS about it yet, but uh, we're already in the planning stages to turn it over instead of trying to get the newspaper cleaned, which, with all due respect to, to MSS, we've been working with them. They're great people. We've been working with them for a long time. We can't get the box board out. It's really difficult for the machine to recognize a box board from an insert. So what we're saying is, well, why in the world don't we turn it around and shoot the newspaper out and leave the mixed paper on the line? It's like, whoa, my God, why not? Because if we can then generate a good quality newsprint that we can sell for sure at a higher value, to makes our, it's better for our clients, our customers, and then the mixed paper is still mixed paper, and the problem is with our current system is that a lot of the newspaper coming off, we're getting complaints constantly. It's too much like mixed paper. And our mixed paper right now is about 87% to 88% usable fiber, 10% outthrows, and 2% prohibs, and it's not acceptable anymore. So you look at it, you're going, well, if that's not acceptable, and that's with four machines and 10 sorters, how much more can you do? So just quickly, you look at this and you go, my God, that's PET? That's all PET. And it is all PET, with one exception in there. There's a PLA bottle in the top left-hand corner. So you look at it, but then that's one more issue, is that we have things like PLA. And by the way, there's not just one biodegradable coming out, or there is not out, but there's now four biodegradable grades coming out. So if you're a MRF operator and you're trying to figure out what to do with your PET, for example, now, luckily, the system that we have in place, all of them, they recognize the PLA quite succinctly from the PET. It has a nice signature like PVC, so it's easy. But if you're trying to do it still with your, some of our smaller facilities that we have, we're still doing things manually, now you're trying to teach people by brand name, for example, which was the common way. Okay, you know, if you see this bottle, always throw it off. The fun one is, is if you look in the upper right-hand corner, you see something called International Delight. It's a coffee creamer. So you're teaching them, that's a PET bottle. No, it's not. It's an HDP bottle in the regular 
kind. But if you go International Delight Light, you know, everybody trying to lose weight, so save that extra five calories in the cream they don't put in their coffee, it's made of PET. So now you can't even train the sorters by brand recognition, for goodness sake. So, and the other thing that's an issue with that, it's got, it's got a full jacket over it, a full plastic jacket. And if, unless it's made of PET, or even if it is, and you want it in the HDP pile, it goes through the optical sorter, you know, you can't blame Felix because his machine can't, whoops, sorry, his machine can't recognize something that's got a different color or a different kind of label. If they even left us an inch on the bottom, it would be fine, or an inch on the top. So unless it's crushed and we get the bottom side or the top side, it gets shot by what the cover is on it, not by what the material is itself. So it causes, again, you wonder why the end markets are complaining. Well, my God, we got a whole pile of HDP with our PET. Well, that's because the shrink label on the International Light's made of PET. So you look at it. And then, of course, all the other issues with opaque, like that herbal essences bottle and then the colored PET they don't like, the black PET they hate, thermoforms they don't like, and that's a third of the material we're dealing with now in our PET stream. So it's just one example. It's fun going to a paper conference and bitching about the, the plastics guys, isn't it, right? <laughs> so anyway, that's about it for me. It just gets us started. Thank you.